Our second lesson for this morning comes from Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 20, as we are continuing on through the book of Acts. In Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul, and as he was speaking, and Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet! And the man sprang up and began to walk. When the crowds saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form! Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to to offer sacrifice. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are mortals just like you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, God allowed all the nations to follow their own ways, yet God has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. But Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds. Then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went off to the city. The next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord God, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might reflect on your word written for us and your word given to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your spirit that speaks sometimes louder than we can. Help us not to drown out the voice of your Spirit, with, whether with my words or with all of our thoughts. Of all the voices we hear this morning, may yours be the most clear. May we hear and see and know your good word for us this day. Bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts. May they be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever made a mistake? Those of you who are not raising your hands uh, are lying. So, we used to go to, there's a, there's a huge Scottish Games uh, during the summer up in Boone, North Carolina. 
And we went up one year, and it was fun. I think this may have been our first year, or second year. I think it was our second year. And they have what's called a kilted mile, which is where people run in a kilt for a mile. There's a track. And I think, hey, I could run a kilted mile. My ever-practical wife said, when was the last time you ran a mile? let alone at, you know, 52,000 feet in the air. So it, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I get there. I get it ready. My age bracket is 15-year-olds to 29. I was much more on the upper end of that. And we get going. And we go around the track, and the first time around, I'm like, this is great. This is fine. No problem. Then we come around for the second time, and I'm starting to think, this is a mistake. This was not a good idea. But there's two more laps to go. So I keep going, and I keep running. And I go around a third time, and I go, I'm going to die. This, is, this was definitely a mistake. About the last half of that last lap, I have no memory of. I'm just running as, not even fast as I can, but just continuing to move in a forward direction. And I pass the finish line and I collapse, and I don't remember the next hour or so. You know, just, it was not a great plan. It was a bit of a mistake. Well, I worked hard that next year, and I ran several miles. And the next year, I competed once again in the Kilted Mile. I was hoping I was just right in the 30 to 60-year-old, because that do do me pretty well, but there weren't enough, and so it was still against 15-year-olds. And I got third place. There weren't a whole lot of people running, but I got third place. Mistakes are good because they help us to learn and to grow. Today, from the book of Acts, we have a story about a pretty big mistake. In case you didn't quite catch it, Paul and Barnabas go to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah of the living God, and it ends with the people worshiping Zeus. It's not exactly what they were hoping for. So we may remember that the last time we saw Paul and Barnabas, they had had enough. They were proclaiming in the synagogues to their siblings within the Jewish tradition and getting all sorts of opposition. And so Paul and Barnabas said, you know what? Other people are talking to our siblings in the Jewish tradition. We're going to go to the Gentiles the people who are not Jewish. We're going to go and proclaim the gospel to them because the gospel belongs to them as well, and so they decide that's their new mission. So they've started this mission. 
And they go to Lystra and they say, we're going to proclaim Jesus the Messiah. They're used to speaking to Jewish people. They were used to talking to people to whom when they said Messiah, they knew what they were talking about. When they said that word to their Jewish siblings, they would understand, oh, you mean the prophet after the image of Moses. The one about whom Isaiah spoke. The anointed one of God, the descendant of David, who is to be the righteous one. The Son of Man. The servant. They knew what that meant. But the people who did not have that background thought different things. They thought, from their stories, from their tradition, from their culture, great, look at this. A miraculous thing has happened, and we know all sorts of stories about the gods. The gods come down in human form, and they do all sorts of things, so that's obviously what has happened right now. You can imagine all of the whisperings and back and forth, and Paul thinks he's doing a good job because they're speaking in a language that he does not know. And they figure it out. They say, oh great, look, Barnabas must be Zeus. He's pretty quiet. He's there in the background. And and this Paul guy, he will not shut up. So he's obviously Hermes. And they start talking about this and they're really excited and news gets out to the temple of Zeus. And the priests are all excited. Great, a manifestation of Zeus has come. Let's make a sacrifice. This is like a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's about that time when Paul and Barnabas realize what is going on. They made a pretty big mistake. But you know, that's, that's good. This is the first of many sermons that Paul will give before Gentile crowds. And he will learn quite a bit from this experience. But not only Paul will learn from this experience, but we, who have inherited this Christian tradition, learn quite a bit from this experience. Think about this. We talk a lot about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, don't we? The opening of John's Gospel, the Word, was in the beginning with God and became flesh and lived among us. We have from Philippians 2 that that Jesus did not see equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied Himself and took the form of a servant. It's part of how we understand who Jesus is, that Jesus is the manifestation, the enfleshed, incarnational image of the living God. This is not something that we would understand, maybe, 
had the gospel not gone from the Jewish faith to the Gentile community. Our understanding of who Christ is, is yes, Messiah. Is yes, the Son of God as an image, as a a metaphor, as a way to understand who Jesus is, but we also understand Jesus, the Christ, as God made flesh. God's very being in human form, living a human life, and unlike all of those stories about Zeus, and let's just be honest, all the stories where Zeus gets kind of horny and comes down and becomes a human and does bad things. And then there are like demigods running around. This Jesus comes down and does not act like the way we might expect some divine being to act, but acts like a servant. He comes not to have sacrifices made for him as those priests of Zeus wanted to make for Paul, but who sacrifices himself. If there's one thing that the history of of mission, the Christian church in, in, in all of history has taught us, it is that we learn most about what the gospel truly actually is when we translate it into another culture. When we try to tell somebody else who doesn't have the same assumptions and the same background and the same culture as us, what does it mean that Jesus has come? Sometimes we find things that we are bringing with the gospel that are not as necessary. Sometimes we get to say the same person of Jesus Christ in a new light, from a new direction. As the gospel moves from culture to culture, from history to history, and is seen and understood from a new perspective, we see who God is from a different perspective. And we know more fully what the gospel truly is. This is always our job, to translate the gospel to show forth the gospel and tell it to people who have not heard it before or maybe have not heard it from us before. And as each generation, as each culture translates the gospel to one another, we both learn more and more. This morning I was having a conversation with my mother-in-law about this whole virtual worship thing, right? It's different. It's not what some of us who are used to just worship in a physical place, it's not what we're used to. It's a little bit outside of that. But for some of you attending right now, this is exactly what you're used to and what you're looking for. Maybe this is providing for you a connection with this church that you can't attend. 
There are ways that we can understand what the gospel is because we are translating it into a new medium. It's messy. We're figuring some things out. We're figuring out how this all works, but in the messiness, in the translation, in the trying to figure out what is God doing, what is the Holy Spirit doing here and now, we learn more and more about what the Holy Spirit is doing now. If there's anything I want you to take away from this examination of the book of Acts It's not about us trying to figure out what it is and where to go and what to do next. We have a part to do, yes. But it's seeing what is the Holy Spirit doing? Where is God at work? Where is God already doing things? Where has God spoken to the Gentile people telling stories of a God made flesh so that when the people of Lystra hear about Jesus, they can understand? about who Jesus is. Where is God already at work? Our job as the people of God is to see where the Holy Spirit is moving and go. To proclaim. To understand more deeply who Jesus is. And so we go. And we speak to people who are not like us and tell the story to different generations and different cultures, to people who don't have the same life experience as we do. And in so doing, we learn more about what is going on. We learn more deeply who Jesus is. Amen.